Hi, everyone. I'm with Erica L. Satifka, a, a horror, science fiction, and fantasy writer. And we're going to talk a little bit about her background, um, biography, and some of the books that you should definitely check out. And then in a later segment, um, we'll talk about some some other uh, you know interesting things in the cultural zeitgeist. So with that, welcome, Erica. Mm-hmm. And just uh, you know, for for folks who who are unfamiliar um, with with you, you know, what sorts of things do you write? What are the last few books and that they should check out? Um, my last book was my um, short fiction collection, which I brought out because I figured you could put it on air. But um, uh, called How to Get to Apocalypse: Other Disasters. Um, it's a uh, kind of a collection of uh, my short stories that have been published in the last uh, fifteen years. Uh, Basically, the earliest story in there is from 2007. The latest one is written for the collection. And it's all kind of dark, dystopian, despair-filled science fiction. At least that's what I call it. Although I've also heard that it is not really that dark and kind of funny, too. So I really have no idea how to describe what I write, other than that there's usually, you know, speculative elements in it. And it's not, you know, happy and, and, and light. Uh, my book before that was a novella called Busted Synapses, uh, which is um, rural cyberpunk. So it's a set in a cyberpunk type world and, you know, kind of this, you know, neoliberalized, uh, super uh, tech heavy dystopian place. It's kind of away from all of that, but still suffering from basically all the ter- the horrible things happening in the world. Um, so yeah, those are my last two, um, and I've had about 40 short stories published over the years, and a novel which has just gone out of print, so that's, unfortunately that's, you can't get that, that one that, yet. That's Stay Crazy? Yes. Stay okay. Crazy, I didn't bring that one out because it's out of print, but um, it, uh, it's the story of uh, uh, Sylvia Marina Garcia described it as a They Live set at a Walmart, so I've <laughs> kind of used that description ever since. Uh, but it's a story of a woman with schizophrenia who is trying to figure out if the voices coming from uh, Walmart products are actually real, real or not. And they're real because it's a science fiction book. But right, right. So it's science fiction. Mm-hmm. It's. I mean, would you put it science fiction, horror, fantasy, or I call it science fiction or horror for the longest time, and then it got nominated for a British Fantasy Award. So now I just call it a urban fantasy, but. Um, because it was like, I don't know, I, I have no idea what genre this is, and apparently now it's a fantasy. So, you know, I, I you know, figure if it's won a fantasy award, then I kind of have to, you know, call it a fantasy. Hey, that so works. Let, let, let that decide. So, stepping back, tell, tell the audience about where you're from, kind of your background, and then, you know, from the very beginning, and how it led to, at least with an eye on how it led to your writing journey. Well, I grew up about an hour and a half south of Pittsburgh, kind of near West Virginia, Um, and it was typical small town, uh, you know, in uh, Appalachia. Uh, My parents were not readers, um, but they didn't mind that I was a reader and a writer, like they were supportive of me just doing that. Uh, They just didn't read, so that's, you know, my, you know, I think my dad's like says like two you know, book two uh, stories into the collection. He's had it for like months, but it's like that's okay. Um, and what did your parents? I, you know, what did your parents do? Were they, um, you know, if if you grew up in Appalachia, like what brought them to a small town? And 
Um, they both grew up there. My both sides of my family lived there for you know, very basic ever since like they came to the United States around like 1890 or whatever. So that's just kind of where we're from originally. Um, my mom was a teacher, but an elementary school teacher, and just so she read children's books, but she didn't really you know read adult books. But um, and my dad worked uh, for the government. Uh, for years and had a very, still has a kind of a strange take on political things, but that's actually kind of, I think, what led me to writing and especially writing stuff that often has like a political bent to it is that we were always con constantly talking about political stuff growing up. Uh, you know, um, he, you know, kind of ping pong between being, you know, libertarian and conservative, and then he most voted for a lot of Democrats, he voted for Obama, he kind of a bounced all around the place but you know he was always very you know much into talking about politics um so basically you know you come from that um you know i went to college down there kind of did everything in in you know uh southwestern pennsylvania uh then when i um which i talk about when i started to write i've been writing basically since i was in uh, elementary school uh and into high school and uh, you know, into college, I majored in creative writing. And so I, um, mostly because then I, you know, honestly, it's because it was less work for me. It was a very easy way to get my, um, uh, uh, degree. And, uh, cause even at that time in, in like early two thousands, you kind of, people just kind of saw degrees as a way to just get a job. It wasn't really, mm -hmm. you know, my mom just like you just have to get this so that you'll make more money at your job whatever job you get and it's like okay um so uh so i majored in creative writing and uh you know my, my advisor really liked my stuff even though she hated science fiction she's like yeah i wish you would write something other than science fiction but i'm not going to say they're not good stories so i've always kind of taken that as like a people on twitter always saying like oh you know my teachers don't want me to write science fiction you know they're they hate genre fiction it's like well if you do it good enough you know they're, they're not going to really, you know, they'll just be like, oh, well, that's a good story, even if I don't like the genre. But then when I was um, in my uh, early 20s, uh, after I graduated, I moved to Pittsburgh and lived there for the next couple of years. Um, and that's where I first started sending stories out professionally. Um, did Nick buy your first professional stories, by the way? He did. Um, Nick bought my first story, professional story, and I think it was only my second story story published the first one was like in some kind of local anthology that i forget if they even paid but um i consider that like my first publication uh the one to clark's world and, 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 and just because... sorry to interrupt so just for the audience uh, we're talking about nick mamatas he was uh one of the earliest editors of of clark's world and he was famous for giving back uh very detailed and sometimes acerbic feedback is that accurate mm -hmm. i never submitted while he was there so i uh, i can't really speak from experience but uh the fact that he discovered you is is something i think is um pretty special but go ahead go on i didn't want to interrupt um i was actually in a writing um critique group at the time and a lot of people i had no idea about magazines like um when i was in high when i was in a uh, college i found strange horizons i think i submitted to them once or twice with stuff that wasn't very good um back in the really early aughts. Uh, and then I kind of stopped submitting everything. And then I, I did join a critique group when I moved to Pittsburgh. And uh, 
a lot of people there were just complaining a lot about um, the um, rejections they were getting from Nick. Like they were like, this guy's so mean, this is horrible. You really shouldn't submit here. And I'm like, I kind of wonder if some bad feedback because I've always been very, yeah. I want people to be as harsh in their feedback as they feel they need to be. I'm not really, you know, I'm not precious of my work. So I um, sent off a story and I, you know, was shocked that he accepted it and I'm glad he accepted it. Um, but I was actually like, it was like 2 a.m. when I got the acceptance and I like started screaming in the living room and um, my boyfriend at the time, who's now my husband, rushed in and actually thought that something had happened to me because I was like, how did this happen? Um, and at that time, I had no idea about like anything having to do with business of writing with like, you know, how like what cost was like, I had no idea like that, you know, because Culture was a professional magazine. So they paid, you know, the 10, I forget how many, it may have been eight, I forget how much it was at the time when they started. But um, uh, and I just, all I knew is that I, you know, wanted to get one of these really like, uh, you know, evil rejections and I didn't get one. And so, you know, so was that, that was literally cool. your first submission to Clark's World? To Clark's World, yeah. That was your first submission you got accepted? To Clark's World, yeah. That's 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 amazing. <laughs> but that was, it was also the very it was the it was in the fourth issue. It doesn't. It was it was it one of the matter, very right. first issues. So it had not actually been published yet. But when I when I submitted it, like Clark's World wasn't a site yet. Okay, but still, <laughs> that's that's pretty good. That's pretty good. Especially when I guess I guess Nick's been was so um, well known for giving that pretty pretty rough rough and i think he would set it on like christmas and new years and you know <laughs> holidays and things like that but okay and what was the name of that story uh, automatic okay and and what was it roughly about like what sorts of um themes is the story about it was basically a post-apocalyptic story um you know like a lot of my stuff uh about this really depleted um, future world. There's like 300 humans left alive in New York City. And the guy um, in the story, who doesn't have a name, is probably meant to be artistic or whatever. Um, he you know, just kind of uh, lives this like life trying to bring back human civilization. Meanwhile, these aliens after the human beings basically died out. I think in the story, it was a plague. They, they died out from a plague and uh, the aliens came down and helped us and healed us, and they're now trying to bring our population levels back up. And, um, oh, and that's Candy, by the way. That's one of my cats. Um, uh, they're trying to bring the population levels back up, and uh, uh, the man doesn't want anything to do with it. He just wants to be left alone. And it's just meant to kind of be very sad and very um, kind of... Uh, I have an ongoing theme in my stories where, he, where aliens come and try to fuck with us, either fuck with us or, you know, try to make us better and it never works out. And I think that was probably just the first, you know, take on that theme. Yeah. So speaking of themes, if you look across your work, this is actually a harder question for, you know, if somebody had asked me this question, I wouldn't, I probably wouldn't be able to answer it. But if you look across your work over the years, what would you say are some of the more common themes? Um, a lot of them are about, uh, I, like, like I said, you know, outside forces coming in and trying to make things better and in fact, making things worse. 
Um, a lot of them are about uh, uh, political movements that you know that seem like you know, one thing, but are in fact another. Um, I, I'd say that the main theme in them is uh, just kind of maybe distrust of any kind of intervention or you know big long range planning you know uh, uh stuff uh do you think you know, any definitely... of that do you think any of that had to do with your growing up in appalachia possibly i mean um you know i i didn't really you know i didn't have like a coal miner dad or anything like that but you know my parents did my you know grandfather worked uh at a chemical plant and uh you know um, but my grandfather, he well, he kind of owned owned a business, but he was one of those like hard fought kind of things. So it's it's possible that there's like you know, kind it, it's it's weird because my politics over the years, you know, because I was definitely a, a teenager, very much you know like you know libertarianism is awesome, and I you know even though I you know well right now my politics are all in flux, but uh, you know, the whole thing throughout is like, I've always believed that human beings should be pretty much left alone if we're not doing anything that harms anybody. And my definition of harm is probably a bit higher than other people's, but um, but yeah, I, I, I think that that is definitely a theme of humans just kind of either, you know, messing things up for ourselves and messing things up for others, but in fact, we should just kind of chill that makes any sense yeah no totally kind of and then okay so that's that's one theme i think you were you're about to get another thread before i before i interrupted you um i mean i have um look through the story list in the front here uh, nick wrote the introduction by the way oh wow i could think of anybody else i would want to do it um because you know he found the first story and he's always been really you know supportive of my work even when i was not writing at all yeah, there's there's um, one thing about Nick that he is an amazing, you know, men, like he's mentored a lot of people. I, mm-hmm. you know, I would I would say he's definitely helped me along. I don't I don't know if he would say, it, <laughs> but <laughs> but yeah, he's 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 helped a lot of folks along despite that reputation he had in in Clark's world. It's just that kind of he's a New Yorker, right? And mm-hmm. you know, New Yorkers are. You know, again, I don't want to overgeneralize, but you know, I'm I'm you know I'm originally from the East Coast and I moved out to the West Coast, and there was definitely a cultural difference, mm-hmm. right? People and, out here, I, I've seen it described, and this is a little bit rude to people out here, but like as people in the on the East are they're kind but not nice, and people here are nice but not kind. Yeah, I think so that's New that's York right. People, like you know, kind of give you like their coat and everything. And, but then they'll call you an asshole at the same time kind of thing. And you just yeah, kind of have to. And it takes, it takes longer to get to know people on, again, I don't want to overgeneralize, but that was, that was just even, even where I, where I grew up, it was, um, people were just much more direct and you had to spend more time. But once, once you had those friends, you had them for life. Whereas, um, you know, where I currently am and I'm sure you're in Portland right now, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it's very easy to make friends, but you don't really know what they're saying when you're not there. So again, just the, the point about Nick, right? He's once once you kind of get through that kind of New Yorker exterior, he's you know he's he's a great great person, is and it's helped uh, helped a lot of people. 
So, so, so in terms of, you know, kind of who would you say your influences are, uh, you know, living, dead, doesn't, doesn't matter. Number one, probably, you know, it's going to sound very um, stereotypical, but Philip K. Dick um, okay. is definitely my number one, like classic, you know, influence or, or, or you know, basically influence of all time. The fact that he was writing these stories that are just about like average people and that they're, you know, I, I think I first, I first discovered him in college and like, I just kind of read all of his books, like over like the course of like three years, just one after the other. Um, and uh, uh, just, and, and the, um, yeah, I don't know why, because like, I, you know, I, so basically where I grew up, um, we didn't, own books when we weren't a book readers and I didn't have the money to buy new books. So my, you know, when I was growing up, all of the stuff I read was classics. It was like, you know, anything that I could find in the library or free or all of that. Or sometimes I would buy books, but they pretty much, you know, I got, you know, kind of turned on to things through what was available, uh, you know, library wise. I don't know. I never discovered Philippedic until then, but like, you know, as soon as I read his stuff, it like just kind of clicked the whole distrust of authority and technology and all of this but with these sort these people that are still struggling and still like you know kind of finding a way to enjoy their lives and the horrors of surround them kind of thing uh, so he's one of them uh for mod more modern writers uh i'd say jonathan Lethem's a huge influence mm -hmm. um uh, he's kind of switched into writing you know writing more uh uh, mainstreamy stuff right now, but it's still very good. I still have to read his most, you know, recent one. Um, uh, basically, a lot of the cyberpunk writers, Sterling, um, uh, William Gibson, uh, uh, Neil Stevenson. You know, I, I went into a phase of reading nothing but that for a couple of years, and uh, so it's probably not really that much different from you know most people's genre you know it, it, it's it's you know kind of kind of a a mix that tends towards like uh, jg ballard another huge one that you know i especially a short his uh, short fiction although most of his stuff i think is short fiction um but but yeah um uh, I, I kind of the new wave uh you know 1970s to to you know 1980s was like my foundational stuff and then wasn't really into the deep into the 21st century where I started being able to uh, go to the Pittsburgh library, which had a much better selection of books and actually read books that were published at the same time that I was reading them. So that, you know, and that brought new writers, but uh, you know, as far as what I actually feel like my stuff is patterned on, it's more like the new wave and cyberpunk writers. And, you know, kind of those influences aside, what, you know, what sort of challenges and struggles have you had as, as a writer, be it with like you know, the publishing side or just um, struggling to write during the pandemic or not? Um, you know, there's. I mean, I, I did not write during the pandemic. Um, I really, and, and thing is, I thought that I would. And, you know, I was even like, you know, I was, I was you know, let off from work. I'm like, well, I guess there's more time for writing. And it's like, nope. Um, and I honestly didn't even read either. And it watched, I, I just, spent a lot of time sitting around thinking and I'm not sure why and it wasn't like a depression thing I don't think it was just more of a there was a huge thing going on in the world and I just couldn't really figure out a way to like 
do anything while that was going on. Uh, this is for most of 2020. It was just me just sitting around and not really writing and not really doing much of anything. Um, and then in 2021 hit uh, and I got a offer to do the collection and then things started kickstarting again. Oh, not I, really, I it was super well until the end of the year. Like the, it was kind of during the first couple of months, I, I had to write a couple stories for the collection and I, I wrote a story for you. And so I did, I did some writing related things in early 2021, but then like it just kind of, I don't know. I felt like, I feel it's weird because I sometimes will think like, why didn't I do anything for that like year and a half? And I can't really figure out why other than like, I don't know, just, just the pandemic thing. Um, but I, you know, kind of getting back into it now, I've, um, have a, you know, a draft of something, which you'd be probably looking at, you know, soon. And, um, uh, a, um, you know, I've been working on a couple of different short stories. Uh, I actually did write a novel, but, um, this, a sequel to this guy, but I'm not sure oh, what I'm going to do with it yet because, um, uh, uh, my publisher, I'm not sure if he's going to take another book from me or how this one's been selling. Um, so, you know, kind of that one's in the air about, you know, what's going to happen to it. But, uh, you know, it's it's just weird because like I, I feel like I, I don't even remember most of 2020 and early 2021. And then, you know, everything kind of clicked around like October or such and uh, started getting better again. I think it's just because the pandemic is largely over if we don't want to you know uh and it's um it depends on where you back. are it depends on where you are well i'm my state just did drop everything so you know but well there's deadlines coming up so you know that that's good i, I think so, the way i feel about pandemic is probably pretty clear <laughs> from yeah yeah it it um there's there's a piece at the beginning of Weird World War Four, which which you have a story in, and we'll, we'll we'll talk about both that story and the story you had in the in the prior anthology. But I, I talk about the the, you know, the the pandemic year, the plague year, whatever you want to call it, and then in the context of that, and also kind of the fil this filter bubble that kind of started, you know, basically when Google went public in two thousand three continued with Facebook being created in 2006 and, you know, Twitter shortly thereafter or before, I don't know when they were created, but what you end up, it was the culmination of, you know, the better, almost two decades of algorithms that, you know, every time you clicked, you're further segmented along this branch of division. And, you know, what, what, I, you know, I saw during the pandemic is there were just literally two different, Two different realities, depending on and 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 by the way, there you know there were things on one side that were completely untrue and crazy, and there are things on the other side. I don't think you can argue about matter or degree, but it was a crazy time. But let's let's save that one for the the the, the next segment. I think that's a fertile ground for discussion. Talk about how so how did the, how did that anthology come about? So this is for kind of the writers out there who want to. You might have a bunch of short stories that they want to put together. How, how did, did you approach, did somebody approach you? How did it work? Um, so I've been friends with the publisher for a couple of years. Um, 
uh, Patrick Swenson runs a writer's retreat uh, in uh, uh, north of Seattle, um, uh, Washington State, um, in, late, in a Lake Quinault uh, National Forest. I went there in 2015, and that's where I think we met. And I've, you know, saw him on and off over the years. I love his books. I've actually, um, uh, he's published some really great collections over the years. Like uh, I published Daryl Gregory's collection; it's one of my all-time favorites. Um, just uh, publishes a lot of really good books. And so I, um, you know, I, and so I, every time I saw him at like a con. Oh yeah, that was I think um, when I my uh, first novel premiered at Worldcon. He was actually in the table next to me, so he spent a lot of time talking, and I read a lot, you know, got some titles from him then. So for years, I've been thinking, like, if I ever got a collection published, he's the guy I'd want to publish it with, uh, that, you know, and um, and so one day in, like, when was this? This was early 2020. This was before the pandemic. Um, I kind of just steeled my resolve, and I'm like, I got to do this now or never, and I've, I sent him an email, and was like, you know, hey, I don't know if you're interested, but um, I have a bunch of short stories published. And uh, if you ever, you know, wanted to publish something of mine, then, you know, I'd like you to publish my stuff. It wasn't, he wasn't open for um, uh, uh, submissions or anything. It was just a shot in the dark. Like I thought it would happen like maybe five or six years from now, but when there's things like, hey, just keep this in your back of your mind. And he said, you know, I'll think about it, but he was like, you know, said it was pretty full for like the next, you know, couple, like a little while. And I was like, that's fine. Cause I you know, didn't expect to happen. And then all of a sudden, like 2021, it just randomly popped in my email, like, Hey, do you want to do a, a collection? I'm like, wow, I am glad I sent that email. Cause that was really hard email to send. That was one of the hardest emails because we were friends. I didn't want to seem like I was taking advantage of him. Like, Oh, I only want you for your publishing thing. But like, I really do love his books. So it's like, you know, I, just wanted to let him know that like he's like my number one for getting something collection published someday and it was great he you know helped me we looked for the great cover art and he suggested the title actually um i um i wasn't sure you know because like, usually the title is a story in the book and this is like a you know part of a title a story in the book uh, my titles all tend to be very long um but uh automatic notwithstanding um but uh, it's just been great and seeing how it all came together. And it's just, you know, send those emails, kids. You know, you never know who's going to say yes. Well, how, <laughs> so how did the line. how did you, did you choose the stories that went in there? Or did he say, this is what, like, did you put it together and then send him the, the way you want it? Or did he kind of help cultivate it? Oh, or, no, I, I put it or... together. I, um... Uh, he, um, he'd only read a couple of my stories, I think up, you know, until I sent him the, the, uh, the, the collection, uh, and he didn't mention anything he wanted in that I didn't put in. So it was basically just me kind of going through, I wrote down, you know, I had, I printed out the list of my stories and had the word counts. Cause it's like, he said, you can get up to 90,000 words. And so I, you know, count, I, I tried to get, you know, as close to that as possible. Cause I wanted to like, you know, make a nice fat book. It's actually it's actually um, uh, longer than both of my other books put together, which is odd. So you write but... short novels too, like like Nick does that. <laughs> he does forty to sixty k words. It sounds like you're probably a little bit more than that, but not. Uh, Stay crazy was sixty five k, and um, busted synapses was twenty seven k. Oh really? So it was a novella, like it was okay, okay, shorter, um, and. Uh, I probably should have had a little bit more to it. I feel like, you know, most of like 
the reviews have been good, but like, you know, some of them say, you know, needs a bit more stuff. So I probably, it, in retrospect, would have added, had a fuller story if I didn't know for sure that the other books are coming out. Because I have, again, like I said, I have no idea what's going on with the series. But um, I go back to the collection. I just kind of went through, picked out my favorites, started the ones I definitely wanted in, and then kind of fit everything around that. I tried to go for like, I, I spent the longest time figuring out like uh, how I wanted to do like, um, because uh, I didn't want them all, all the stories to sound the same to kind of go together. So uh, I kind of tried to, you know, alternate first person, third person, male protagonists, female protagonists, stories with aliens, stories that are set in the past. There's only two stories that are set in the past, but um, it, it, I had reading kind of like, as I spent a lot of time working on the balance um, and uh, then, you know, and then wrote like the story notes and everything. And then I wrote, one of the stories that's, uh, there's two stories in there that are new to the collection. One of which was a story that they sent out to a couple markets, um, didn't uh, sell it, but uh, you know, I thought it was a good story and it probably would, it might've sold eventually, but yeah. Erica, know, don't like, do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. There's do some what? stories in there that no one has ever seen. You can see them exclusively <laughs> in this. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm at it. But no, yeah, they, yeah. they are That's good right. stories. That's all right. The, um, one of the, the, the one story, um, it's kind of a, um, uh, it's my only, I think, uh, epic fantasy story. Um, it's, and it's about, uh, and it's written from the third person point of, the third person plural point of view, from the point of view of people who are like leading this revolution. Uh, and so it, it, it actually kind of works into uh, 2020 quite well, uh, though I wrote it before. Uh, well before 2020, but um, uh, it's this revolution that kind of uh, goes to, you know, different towns to liberate them from these magic people, but then they get corrupted from the magic people, and they try to take one of the magic people with them. Uh, so it's basically kind of how, you know, um, organizations like, you know, well, we'll get into the politics later, but like how a lot of leftist slash liberal organizations kind of allow themselves to be psyoped by you know, things. Um, one of the other stories, uh, which actually got a recommendation, uh, not from the Locus recommended list, but like just a, you know, this story's good um, in, in Locus. Uh, uh, it was written especially for the collection because I wanted something that tied in with Busted Synapses. So it's a short story that's kind of set in that world about this game designer that goes through like this, uh, basically that one's really, I think that's a really strong story and, you know, you know, horrible, like downplaying my stuff, but uh, they're, they're both really, you know, good stories and you can only read them in the collection, at least for now. And where, where can folks pick up that collection if they want to, oh, um, by the way, there, there's I links, think... there's links below um, where you can get at least uh, links to Amazon at least, but. Uh... Up again. Um, pretty much anywhere. I don't mind if people buy from me Amazon, but there are many places to buy other than Amazon, um, uh, there's uh, you know, Pals and uh, you know pretty pretty much anywhere. Um, this they're probably not going to be at the store just because it's a print on demand book. Uh, it's from a small press, but if you order it, they can ship it to you. And you know, they they, they bookstores can pretty much get any book. So I'd say if you can use an indie bookstore, that's great. But if not, Amazon's fine too, or or from the um, the Fairwood Press site the fair you know that my publisher directly uh and then you can pick up some of his other books 
Now let's talk a little bit about the two stories you have in uh, the one, first one is in Weird World War Three, and then the second is in Weird World War Four. Now, I, you know I don't, I wouldn't take my opinion as gospel, but when I when I read your first story for Weird World War Three, it had a bit of like a Shirley Jackson esque vibe, and and when I say that I mean in the sense that in the story of the lottery, like there's this, like, like just, it's kind of a, you know, normal day-to-day prosaic life, you know, here we go, matter of fact. And, but the matter of fact, you know, it, within the matter of fact, uh, lies the horror of the, of, of kind of what would happen. So just tell me a little bit about that first story. Uh, again, I, I probably completely mischaracterizing it, but that's what it felt like when I read it. I, I love Shirley Jackson. Like when, when I again, I didn't read her a lot of until well after college. Um, but uh, she's definitely. And I thank you for the compliment. Um, so it's kind of um, it's called uh, an, uh, uh, "Where You Lead, I Will Follow: An Oral History of the Denver Incident," and it's uh, told as an oral history style. So the uh, the one I was really kind of, you know, going at, um, after was like the World War Z kind of like take on the Studs Terkel, you know, oral history thing, but with, you know, something speculative. And uh, it's also based on Pokemon Go. Uh, and so it's the story of like this Pokemon Go type of game that people start um, playing and they start like, you know, kind of doing the things that you do in Pokemon Go only, you know, uh, only this game kind of like has you interact with the environment. So it has you interact with like, uh, oh, move this person's uh, pen from one desk to the other, or, you know, take your shoes off before you enter a building, that kind of just weird things uh, the game has you do. And then they kind of can tell you're doing it through the uh, camera and your phone, uh, which is so, not quite what Pokemon Go is so, yet. But. So it's not just about the banality of evil, but it's about the incrementality of evil. Yes. The incrementality, the fact that people are playing this game for months and months, and basically in the in the story, you know, spoiler alert, but um, uh, people they they uh, the game eventually makes so many minor small adjustments that it makes the United States send a basically a bomb to Washington D.C. and destroy it um, from a uh, from a air air base, uh, you know, in. I think it was in the, in the story. It was uh, you know outside Denver in or yeah, it's in Colorado. Yeah, Colorado. Or, Colorado. Uh, yeah, there's actually so it, a, it, a, a missile field somewhere. I, I remember when we were editing it. And I'm like, there's a missile field right here. I didn't right know the actual fields right. and say you know, uh, appreciate you know getting the, you know how the, you know which ones to use. But um, but yeah. So it's um, the missiles are sent from a. Uh, a uh, military base in Colorado, and uh, they destroyed Washington D.C., killed millions of people, and um, the people blame the Russians, uh, partially because that's what the, the you know the prompt of the story is, like that was the theme of the anthology. But uh, uh, but it's also supposed to be kind of a reference to uh, RussiaGate, which um, I was I am a I am a left wing critic and skeptic of everything RussiaGate, so there's at least one here. Um, you know, a lot of people were not so um, skeptical, but it's meant to be like, you know, uh, you know, why, why, you know, we, we blame like for the first foreign power that, you know, happens to like be there. But in fact, the game itself is really starting to develop an intelligence, or at least that's the strong implication is that uh, 
the game itself has released beyond the bounds of its thing because now it's going to attack the russians too it's going to attack everybody um and uh so it's kind of just a you know story about and i kind of you know and i'm really glad that like you know it was okay to do like a gimmick story because it you know it, you know it's told from like 10 different or nine or 10 different perspectives well it got i felt most, like that would be the easiest way to kind of describe the story in many of the reviews it was singled out as one of the stories that people liked so and again i'm not i'm not saying that to make you feel better i'm saying that like objectively oh, yeah, i read them <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah so so uh i just thought it was it was different enough from the other stories that i and and like i said it had it had that tinge of the banality of evil from um you know from um you know jackson touched you know adding with kind of this plus of the incrementality like kind of build upon it so i really i really liked it for that that reason now tell tell a little bit about your next story but don't say too much because we want people to buy the book so just a teaser yeah um, so this is in world war worth four which comes out on march 1st uh, it's a story about bioengineered superheroes that wind up turning on their masters and then degrade to the level of animals. Yeah, we'll leave it at that. Yeah. It's, 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 and there's a twist, there's some themes of the twist on what's family and, <laughs> and, and what's patriotism and mm-hmm. um, how far are you willing to go? So it, it again, it's another, um, it's certainly disturbing, which I think if, if, I mean, that, if that's what you're, yeah, I, I like reading things. It's meant to be disturbing. Like that. Yeah. It's extremely, I, I'm trying to be, I'm trying to be nice, but it's extremely disturbing. <laughs> so it's one of those things that the younger generations you. might say trigger warning or <laughs> not yeah, Not in a political way, but in a, um, you just gruesomeness and, and things like that. But I think it's a great story. Uh, you know, in terms of, uh, you know, I want to I want to round out this portion of of the segment on some of the projects that you're currently working on. If you could just briefly touch on those, and then um, and then we can kind of move into the next segment. Sure. Um, mostly short stories at this point. Um, you know, have a couple of different ones uh, in various stages of production. Uh, like I said, I did write a you know, it's a short novel, but it's a novel. You know the continuation of busted synapses which i'm still debating out what to do with um i i again i'm kicking around longer ideas but mostly now i've been focusing on short pieces i did just have a short piece accepted for publication at nature so that will be out in a couple oh, wow. Congrats. weeks months that's great um, news. what's it called it, it's a it's a it's a flash piece um with a very got kind of a gothy title but i just i like it anyway um it's called uh, symphony for the damned that sounds fascinating um or the S- symphony of the damned and it's about uh so you know how jeff bezos has that like air you know uh rocket and everything so it's blue, it is a blue a rocket, ocean or like, something yeah. The, yeah the blue origin blue origin yeah so in my story, it's a it's a ship called the Green Echo that winds up crashing into like some kind of singularity, and therefore everybody on Earth all the time hears the screams and the yells of like uh, the people on the ship as they're dying over and over again, and the the, the socialites that are on on the ship, and we're just kind of having to suffer under this, and there's nothing we can do because it's 
collided with a it's, it's basically it, it's funny because nature is a hard science magazine it's you know a science magazine but um a lot of their fiction and both of the uh, they've they published something else of mine in 2014 uh, that one is about you know aliens making everybody on earth shapeshift into objects uh, so the things that they've published from me are not all that scientific but you know they're built on science so yeah there's like a hard science fiction there, there, there's the core of science in there all right any, anything else that you're working on or is that kind of um that's mostly it um i know i i'm going to like i said the rainforest retreat in a couple of weeks and hoping to come back with at least four or five short stories that i can send out um but yeah i i, I right now i'm kind of I'm, I, you know, I don't have an agent. I've never had an agent. And so I, I'm trying to, because I know I'm going to have to write a novel in order to get an agent, you know, uh, unless somebody kind of really, really likes the collection and wants to, you know, take me on run that basis. But um, other than that, I have to write a novel. And I already wrote a novel in 2015 that kind of didn't go anywhere. And so it's a huge, um, time sink if it doesn't go anywhere so i'm kind of waiting on till i get a sense for something that i would like to write and that the market would also like to take all right well it sounds like it sounds like you uh got plenty of going going on and uh i look forward to talking with you in the next segment and uh you know everybody should check out uh erica l Satipka's work um it's amazing think kind of shirley jackson meets philip k dick um, it's good stuff. So thanks everyone for joining in and uh, we look forward to talking to you again soon.